0: The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network in the Inside Vegas Podcast. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code SGP100 when creating your account for up to a $1,000 bonus in free play. That's promo code SGP100. If you need a reload, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% reload bonus. You're simple. You play, you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the Super computer and expert writing staff as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshock and check them out online at www.oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, and now NFL lines are available on the app. The best PR is BetQL is free to download on your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to make smarter bets. BetQL is brought to you by the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. Again, that is the BetQL app, and go to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is Friday, October 26th. Another week sports and another weekend of NFL and NCAA upcoming. This episode, we continue on with our different handicapper each and every week during the football season. This episode, we have somebody who's built up quite the, the following for himself, has been around the space, God, what seems forever, has really come to the forefront in the last couple of years, and that is my friend David DeMann. I'm sure you've all seen him on social media. As always, follow him on Twitter at David Demann2, D-A-V-I-D, 2 D-A-V-I-D-D-A-M-A-N-2. And you can follow all of his plays that are posted absolutely for free at DavidDeMann2.com. Hope you guys enjoy this interview. We really deep dive into the temperature of social media and really the old guard versus the new guard of handicapping. And as always, finish up with our best bets. We dive into his philosophy on handicapping college basketball and baseball. College basketball has been probably his biggest moneymaker, um, putting up absurd numbers each and every year. Same thing with baseball, same thing with college football and the NFL. I hope you guys enjoy the talk, the, the handicapping style um, that is David. Um, and again, can't thank him enough for coming on. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. This is David Demand too. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast is somebody that I've been looking to have on for a while, kind of been a, f- a fan from the distance, as, as stalkerish as that sounds, but someone that's really built, um, much like our last guest uh, last week, Barry Horst, someone that's built kind of a, a cult following and someone that's been around a lot longer than him, um, but someone that has been um, doing amazing work in the space and basically everything being provided for free and everything um, with tremendous results, uh, basically all the way through in every different sport. So I think it's good to kind of look at, you know when we do this, these, this series for different handicappers, some are specifically football related and I think there's something to be said for some you know people who who uh, zero in on one sport and kind of make that their lives but I think there's a lot to learn from each different market so I think it's good to kind of you know have people that zero in on one se- specific type of sport and one that has is versed uh, in different markets because a market is a market um, despite you know how people say the NFL is you know the most uh, efficient market this and that um, there's stuff to be learned when you can kind of read different markets uh, in, in that type of way um, so welcome on David Demand and, and David how is everything on the west coast buddy i know that the weather is is always gorgeous out in san diego uh much like it is um in las vegas but how's everything going for you man um on this upcoming ncaa and nfl week
1: things are going well man and i uh i appreciate that uh that generous intro plenty of nice things to say and that, and uh right back at you as far as a mutual admiration society here i've i've known of you and followed you kind of from a distance for a while so it's nice we were you know able to finally connect here and and hopefully uh the listeners enjoy the next 30, 40 minutes, and we can give him some useful information.
0: Absolutely. And as always, you can follow him on Twitter at David Daman, D-A-M-A-N-2, and the website as well as the same exact thing, daviddamant2.com. So I want to break this in um, and kind of we'll start as always with your introduction and background and kind of what brought you to uh, this racket that we call sports handicapping (laughs) uh, and gambling and kind of, you know, what brought you to, um, you know, do this as, you know, a secondary income, all the type of stuff and kind of what brought you into this world and how you got started.
1: Yeah, I, gosh, I would imagine my story's not too dissimilar from, from many people out there listening. Uh, for the most part, I got started, you know, in college, 18, 19 years old, uh, betting on games, you know, met a bunch of people who bet on games. And at the time, you know, we all like to think we know what we're doing, but realistically, (laughs) you know, we're all just kind of throwing darts and messing around. And luckily, you know, at that point in my life, and just like, I'm sure most people that age, you don't really have any real money you know, so you're betting 10, 15, 20 bucks a game and you know, you keep losing, but you, you just enjoy it so much that, uh, you keep doing it even though you, you know, you can't really win. Um, so I got to the point, I realized, okay, I really love this. I, I'm realistically not going to stop doing this anytime soon. I need to find a way to get better because I just don't want to go through, you know, decade and decade and decade of doing this and losing and losing and losing. So, I mean, what we'll get into so, some more of the specifics later in the, uh, in the podcast, I'm sure, but long story short, I mean, it was, it was a long process. You know, this doesn't happen overnight. You pick up a few tricks of the trade here and there, you get a little bit better every year, or at least you try to, and then you add up enough of those years and you look back and say, okay, you know, I'm exponentially, you know, better at this than I was, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. I'm in my early thirties now. So, I mean, I've, I've been chipping away at this a long time. And, uh, yeah, I mean th- that that's pretty much the biggest thing I want to say this does not happen overnight.
0: Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And people have always <laughs> asked me when I've done, you know, been interviews and been on the other side of this. Is they I always ask, "What is the moment you knew that you could kind of take the next level?" And you know, for me, moving out to Vegas and doing this professionally. Um, and it, for me, I never have a good answer to that. There's not really a light bulb moment. To me, you know, I started in the DFS world, the fantasy world, and I was just putting in, you know, the the pick'em pools on Yahoo, all that type of stuff. And I was just putting in way too much effort for the little payoffs <laughs> that I was receiving right. in, the, in these right. um type of things. And once I kind of you know realized that for what the effort. was, wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to kind of maximize my return and, and actually make this, did you have kind of a, a light bulb moment where you kind of knew you wanted to take this next level?
1: Gosh, I mean, that, that, that's such a hard question to answer. L- like you said, there, there wasn't really, you know, an epiphany or, you know, the light went off or, or any particular moment like that. But I'd say, gosh, roughly maybe five years or so ago, I was noticing, you know, I had learned enough and accumulated enough knowledge and was confident enough and You know how I handicap these games, you know, the combination of all the analytics, you know, plus your situational factors and and things like that. I felt like I had a pretty good mesh of all of that going. And as long as I put in the time and put in the work and did the digging, I I was very confident that I would do well. Um, And since then, you know, obviously there's some peaks and valleys, but for the most part, I still feel the same way now. You know, nothing's guaranteed. Nobody's going to win every sport every single year. But for the most part, you know, I'm confident if I do what I'm supposed to do, that at the end of the year, I'm going to be making money.
0: That's the thing, right? And people will always get kind of, you know, bogged down. It's one of these things, right? When when you get the notoriety, undoubtedly, that's when a cold streak happens and people say that this or that and the, and the scam comments come out and how h- how a free person is a scam, I will never know. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> but. That's, that's a conversation for a different day, but the point is, um, is you have always really um, put everything out there for free, and that's always a, a fascinating um, kind of topic that I, that I love having free and both paid um, handicappers on here, because I think it's such a, in today's climate of social media, and it's kind of a good segue um, into kind of bringing this over, there's so, you know, everyone has a voice, right, good or bad, um, the vocal minority is maybe heard a little bit uh, more than they should be, or, um, you know, whatever that is, but um, right. at the end of the day, you've always kind of maintained um, through your website that you've always wanted to keep things kind of free. And again, talking with past free handicappers and and free guys building their brands up, um, there's kind of stages to this. You know, everyone kind of starts out free for that exposure phase, much like if you're trying to get into, you know, sports journalism, whatever the case may be, you just have to gain that audience, right? And then undoubtedly, um, people end up, you know, selling picks, whatever the case may be. You've always kind of stayed um, on that free side. And again, I I just want to kind of plug what you've been able to do in the space, basically doing uh, every sport possible, um, which I have so much respect for, because for me, doing this full time, even though I have, you know, basically the most time... out of you know anybody really that, that could do this, I still can't ha- handicap every markets and this markets. I've just had to kind of let go, um, and you've been able right. to not only do that um, and. and uh, handicap all these markets, but do very well. And just breaking down, um, I mean, my God, your baseball over the past since 2011 plus 70 units last year, 2017 plus 22, going all the way back through. College basketball <laughs> has been uh, absolutely amazing, plus 26 units. I mean, 2017, 2018, 171, 133, as I pull it up right now. Hockey, football, college football. Um, I guess um, where we start this is, is what what made you kind of you know were you just a fan of all sports in general, or did you just find it better? Because like I said in the introduction, kind of, I think there's something to be gained by not zeroing in on one market even though you know me specifically having kind of these niche markets and player props in nfl or ufc um a market is a market and i think there's something to be gained when you can kind of really you know look at markets across uh sports and kind of see similarities and differences uh and what things go but what were what kind of you know drove you to do all sports are, or at least those you know um the big five six sports
1: gosh, to be honest with you, honestly, I just started off betting everything for the sole reason that I enjoyed those sports. You know, I was capping and betting on sports that I enjoyed watching. And then as the years go by, you know, reality sets in and some of these sports in particular for me, like NBA, I I know realistically, I'm not going to be able to win long-term in NBA that I'm more so just throwing darts. And I got to the point I could admit that to myself, like, Hey, you know, I, I really don't think I can make money in this league. Uh, NHL can be like that. NFL personally, I I think it's the toughest league to cap and I'll still do it, but my volume there is quite a bit lower than it will be in most of the other sports. So a lot of it is just kind of, you know, focusing in on what I'm best at. And over the years, as I've done this, it's become more and more apparent, you know, where my bread is buttered, so to speak.
0: Yep. That's the thing, right? Um, have you ever kind of ventured? You know, professionals are notorious for, for finding the, these niche markets, right? Whether it be WNBA, um, you know, so in being able to kind of get these relationships with with groups and people out here that have done this for so long, um, the best people I know have kind of been able to find sports uh, in markets that aren't really side and total. You know, be it player props, be it UFC. Of and, um, Have you ever kind of ventured into that realm, or do you just? You, know, I mean, you strike me as somebody who really enjoys this, which I think is so. At the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun, right? And, and it's a good way to, to make a second their income, this or that. Um, but have you ever kind of ventured out into that? Or you just really enjoyed these sports and wanted to stick with that?
1: I, I have, but I mean, things like that, at least in my experience are, are, are so much harder to get into. For instance, you know, your WNBA stuff or your player props and things like that, that are generally going to come with lower limits. Uh, that's obviously for a reason, you know, those lines are far more beatable. And I've found for the most part, I mean, just finding somebody I mean, it, you know, if you don't live in Vegas, obviously you've got to do it either through a, you know, a local or yeah. something offshore, whatever, simply, it's just hard to get down any kind of decent money on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then if you do happen to win a little bit of money on it, you're kind of, you're gonna get you know, what? A- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're kind of an asshole. It's like, Hey man, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're taking a shot at me. You know, you went 11 and three on player props and you know, you went seven and one on, you know, second half WNBA plays, you know, like you're a dick. What are you doing? (laughs) So, I mean, it's, I mean, you're right. Absolutely. You know, those markets are far more inefficient than, than the major sports. But, um, like I said, I mean, just sometimes it's, it's harder to actually get good money down on those kind of bets.
0: Yeah, for sure. And again, no one's going to cry for the bookie over here when they (laughs) say that type of stuff, but I understand that that there's, there's no more sacred, uh, relationship than a local bookie. That's (laughs) especially the good ones that will pay that than that. So I completely understand that. And again, that goes next level here. Um, you know, in in the desert, right? Professionals in, in book, you know, uh, sports risk managers, um, Ozmakers have a unique relationship. They'll, they'll get out in front of something. If they hear of something, um, they'll get their money down, but then they'll probably kind of tip their hand in and, and tell somebody, you know, tell an Ozmaker what's going on. So it's a give and take right. relationship. Right. That- um, again as I touched on I want to kind of segue this into uh, social media as, as everyone knows the listens to, listen to the show uh, much like the Vegas component this is very much social media driven and kind of how things have changed uh, within social media and what that's done to the handicapping landscape with information being you know readily available basically using you know Twitter as as kind of the information platform these days um, I want to get kind of your your take on you know what you see on social media and kind of how that has changed it as well and, and as I spoke of you know you've been able to kind of garner such a, a cult following um, audience not to say that it's small at all. Um, it's just, people are very dedicated to you and kind of what you bring to the table. Um, and again, there's always going to be that vocal minority of, of trolls or this or that, but what have you seen right. kind of, you know, the biggest changes, um, basically from when you started to what is, uh, available now, you know, at everybody's disposal, um, uh, via social media.
1: Gosh, I mean, I, first and foremost, I'd start with, you have to be careful who you trust or you decide to trust because, The unfortunate reality is, you know, and I'm not going to pick on anybody or, you know, single anybody out. There's a lot of people on Twitter that have, you know, big followings and people assume because of that big following that they know what they're doing. And uh, the reality is that a lot of these guys are terrible handicappers. (laughs) And and they're just, like I said, hiding behind, you know, I have X amount, amount of followers and I've been around for blankety blank amount of years. And for the most part, they just don't know what they're doing. And, um. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's been a pet peeve of mine over the years. And I feel like more and more people like that are starting to try to make their way to the forefront and trying to carve out their niche, you know, in our gambling Twitter, if you will. And a lot of that kind of frustrates me. But on the other side of that coin, there are a lot of guys who, you know, like yourself, Barry horse, you mentioned you had on last week who absolutely through and through, they know their shit. They know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. And they're genuinely trying to help people and, and people like that are amazing. They're a great resource to have. It's awesome that there's people like that out there. You just have to be very careful, you know, if if you're tailing people or, or whatever, you know, if you're actually putting, taking money out of your wallet and following these people's advice, you just got to be very, very careful who you hitch your ride to, because (sighs) there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. You know, it's sad, but there really is a lot of bullshit out there right now. Um, so just to reiterate, yeah, just 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 be very careful who you know, who you decide to get involved with
0: yeah, it's one of those things that at the end of the day, it's become a little bit of a popularity contest. And again, I'm not I mean again, I've always tried to keep kept these two worlds separate when talking about, you know w- how I make my plays and my play, play selections available. Um I've never really wanted to cross the two worlds. i I've done it a little bit more now just because I speak to the fundamental um you know, thought process behind it and just having these different guests on like yourself. Um and again, you touched on the free guys, and, and I have the utmost respect for anyone that is a quote unquote, free you know handicapper on social media, number one, because, again, I've always maintained this. My thought process on, on people selling picks, there are so many scams out there, number one. Number two, I my thought process and my, and my rationale is always, you're asking somebody um, to put in all this work, right? Better it be 30, 40, 50 hours a week. You're asking them to do all this work. You're asking to tail their bets with absolutely no work on your end, other than clicking five buttons when their plays are released, <laughs> and then you right. have the nerve to call somebody a, a quote-unquote scam or tell them that they're horrible um, yeah. when all you're doing is tailing their bets um, at no <laughs> no cost and no time more importantly uh to yourself um so or you know as somebody who's who's tailing those bets and not to mention you know undoubtedly whenever somebody finds a new you know quote-unquote good handicapper (laughs) undoubtedly the first set of bets that you tail are going to lose it's just how this 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 happens and people get frustrated and, and they forget that they ever existed and it's an endless cycle right and so it's it's one of those things that are it's it's very it's very weird right um but it's it's again, it, it's this, this internet and this newfound social media thing it has been the, <laughs> the general public has never been more informed. Right. And it's because of these companies like sports insights, like odd shark, like covers people. Right. And, and again, you touch on this people that are building their own brands because of what social media is able to bring to the table, like yourself, um, you know, people out there, Barry horse, we've had on here, Vegas refund, Sam, and all these type of people, um, whale yeah. capper that we have had on a, a ton of, all of these guys are, are great friends of mine. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things that it, you just have to kind of, you know, figure out which one um, you fall into. And again, it's when you decide you're going to tail somebody for a day or a week, you're, you're effectively asking, you know, it's the same thought process of going to a, a stockbroker and telling them that you want to invest, but only for the weekend. Uh, and you're going to leave if the, if after that weekend it's not profitable. Um, <laughs> right, again, right. Not to go off on a tangent, but it's just, it's a very weird kind of situation there. Um, have you ever, you know, been able to kind of navigate the, the negativity that is a very real part of social media when it comes to the type of trolls and all that type of stuff out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the longer I've been around, you know, and I feel like my Twitter account, I, I don't know exactly when I opened it, nine, ten years ago, and I feel like I've had a decent following for maybe six years or so. So now I'm to the point, you know, I know when it's coming. Like, if I've, you know, yeah. taken a pretty firm stance on a game or on a team and I've gotten it wrong, I know it's coming. I've been around long enough, you know. I i pretty much have an idea what to expect and when to expect it. So now I'm to a point where, of the time, you know, if I get trolled, it's just, you know, instantly just move on, could care less, read it, you know, chuckle, move on. It's gotta be something, you know, egregious kind of above and beyond, or maybe, (laughs) you know what I mean? To actually at this, at this point, get my attention and, you know, piss me off a little bit. Um, but for the most part, you know, I've just been around too long to let most of it get under my skin now. But, um, One quick point I did want to make, and this obviously doesn't go for everybody, but at some point along the lines with what you were saying about the free picks and all the time and effort and research and digging that goes into those free picks from a lot of these good cappers that you just listed, somewhere along the line, I feel like people became entitled. They feel like they're just entitled. They have the right to log on to Twitter, see free picks, take them and win like it's just a birthright. You know, like <laughs> I love that. Like, take. Yeah. It's like, you're here to make me money. I just want to get off work, sit down, look at your bets, bet them and make money. And if you happen to lose, you're an asshole. <laughs> and, and, and it's like that. That is just that's one another one of my pet peeves. It's driven me nuts for years. It's like, you, you know, people are really putting a lot of work into this kind of stuff. And they just you know want to crack a beer and sit down for as long as it takes to make a few clicks, make a bet. And they just act like, oh, you know, this guy's an expert. It's supposed to win, you know, and if it doesn't win, you know, he's a dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, you know, that that kind of bothers me, but that's it's just just the nature of the beast. That's just kind of what Twitter is. And, and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of great people out there who are appreciative um, and, and, and genuinely do appreciate the work that people like you and I and the others you mentioned put in. But, but it's undeniable. There's always going to be that chunk that just flat out just feels entitled.
0: Yeah. And speaking to the other side, we talk about the handicapper side, right? It's it's really funny. It's, it's an interesting kind of, you know, I don't say split or breakup, um, into what you can really <laughs> see happening. And that's kind of, you know, the new social media generation kind of overtaking the old guard. Um, and when I say the old guard, this is a little bit prevalent, more prevalent in, in a place like Las Vegas where everything is, is physical, right? Because when you're not in Vegas, um, Throughout the country, betting offshore, your interactions with people are all online, right? Via you know whether yep. it be Skype, whether you're you're texting, phone calls, whatever the case may be. When you build your network, um, it's right. not in person, um, and so the the old guard of, of kind of old Vegas, and, and when I speak to this you know, the RJ Bells of the world, um, Dave Kogan, uh-huh. um, you know, even call it, you know, Vegas Dave's kind of been in that new ground, but you know, whatever the case may be, right? It, the, the pregame.com, all that type of, you know, Steve Fezix, all that type. of. And again, not to say that any of these people are bad. I've heard very bad things. I've heard good things. Again, right. I'm kind of one of those people that like to make my own, uh, opinions on people. Um, but they just come from the one 800 tout number, um, type of handicapping. And that's like how we value social media. That's how they got their information across to people, uh, back mm-hmm. then. Um, and again, that's not to say that they're not out there. It's just, it's a very, it's just the natural progression and evolution of kind of what this business is when it comes to that. Um, and again, it's just, again, not to say one is good or bad. It's just every handicapper out there, I would argue in one way or another is looking to, uh, build a quote unquote brand and whether that end goal is to, you know, end up, you know, working for a company. You know, the Action Network, visa um, You know, whatever right. the case may be. Um, I, I would think that if, if you know any of these people were approached by some of these companies like, to you know uh, get paid to you know give analysis, I think that in some way, that's in one way, that's being a tout, right? I mean, you, it, it's not yeah. the same format, but they're getting paid a job to make uh, pick selections, right? And so yeah. it, it's a very, it's just a different way to look at it. Um, it's just it's when it comes to the other side of that, in the handicapper, um, I think it's just it depends on what. The that goal is. Um, and, and again, some people are, you know, handicapping on there just to, you know, shoot the shit with people, have some fun, talk sports, give out their plays. And and that's kind of their end all be all. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. There's just, there's different levels and and everyone wants a different thing when they kind of step into this platform,
1: I think. Right. Right. And, and you made a good point as far as, you know, the action network kind of stuff. Um, and in fairness, I, you know, I have sold, uh, baseball plays the last two seasons. Other than that, pretty much the whole time I've been on, everything's been free. I have sold my baseball for the past two seasons. Um, Anyway, where I'm going with this is, you know, there's certain people out there, again, no names, plenty of people fit into this group. The, and I'm sure you've seen them, all the listeners have seen them. The, I will always be free people, the I'll never go tout people. And then, you know, you disappear and you go to a website and 95% (laughs) of their content is behind a paywall and they want a monthly subscription. And it's like, man, you, you know, you, you got to pick a side. You can't just go around wearing both hats, like, I'm free. You know, I'm the Robin Hood of gambling Twitter. And, you know, <laughs> I have everything and I'm here to help the common man and everything is free. And then you just, you know, oh, well, uh, whatever, $5.99 or $6.99 a month, you know, for all this premium access and this and that. And it's like, oh, man. And I don't blame anybody one bit for doing that. But you can't do that and at the same time act like, oh, you know, I'm free, I'm great, I'm a man of the people, I'm this and that. I, I mean, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but you know, I see some of that kind of stuff, and I just shake my head like, really? You know, like there's nothing wrong with with selling your stuff or moving on to a company to put some money in your wallet. I can certainly respect that and I have no problem with that. But just own it. Just kind of be what you are and 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 call it like it is, in my opinion at least.
0: Couldn't agree more, man. All right. Well, (laughs) now that we got that tangent out of the way, (laughs) let's break this down into uh, what you're here for. And that's to kind of talk about what is your specific handicapping style before we break into this week's um, kind of NCAA NFL slate, as I touched on your great success uh, when it comes to baseball and college basketball. Um, football is kind of going to be the end all be all of what everyone wants to hear about, but I do think it's important to kind of, um, again, just because you've proven to have such success in it, whether it be from a market standpoint or whatever the case may be, um, what do you kind of your handicapping style when it comes to just, let's start with just kind of baseball, um, in kind of how you view that market as a whole. Um, and then we'll move along to kind of football and everything that goes in with that.
1: Okay. Gosh, with baseball, I mean, it's going to be similar to, to most of the other sports as far as the core of it. And at the core, you know, I have I have a model and I have my power rankings and, and power ratings, you know, ratings, rankings, whatever you want to call them. Um, and obviously, those will vary day to day based on the the, uh, the probable pitchers, the starting pitcher. I try to tinker with things like bullpen use, but that is such a challenge, you know, trying to predict, OK, this guy's thrown whatever, 33 pitches in the last two days, or, you know, 51 in the last six. And you're trying to predict, you know, will this guy be available to a of the bullpen? That's one area this offseason I'm really going to try to tweak and do a lot of research on because in and, and today's game in baseball, it's becoming more and more common. You have starters going five innings or two times through the lineup and all the analytics say, don't let that starter see the lineup a third time through. And so much of the game now, is bullpen dependent. I mean, by by the 6th inning in so many games, you've got a bullpen battle on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that differs so greatly from what baseball has been historically where for the most part you could just kind of okay, I'm going to cap the starting lineup, I'm going to cap the starting pitchers. And and for the most part, I've got, you know, most of the game covered right there, but nowadays like I said, you got a, you know, a 3-3 game in the 6th and each team is into the bullpen. Yes. <laughs> You know, you've got to find a way to figure out exactly what you're going to get. Otherwise, it's just a crapshoot and you're rolling the dice. And I'll admit that is something I'm still tweaking and uh, and working with myself.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that baseball is a game. I've always maintained this. Baseball is a game that's built on randomness. It's built on variance. That's what makes baseball baseball. which what makes baseball great and fun uh, from an entertainment perspective. Um, my thought process on baseball is it's one of it's the single market that I play the biggest long game with. Um, I find players. I find specifically pitchers. I eliminate variance by playing pretty much ninety eight, <coughs> ninety eight, ninety seven um, percent first five market
1: right uh, and right.
0: I, I buy and sell uh, these same pitchers every single time um, through um, and be in some different markets and stuff like that but <laughs> baseball is is so unique because it has to be looked at through the lens of 162 games um, it is so difficult to come in and, and try to just bet baseball for a week or a weekend because it's just philosophically it's not how you handicap the game it has to be a long game on basically every single bet that you make and that includes yep. making bets um, when you know you expect them to lose that's that's a very big part right. of betting baseball right. and so it, it's a very unique market in that regard um, college basketball has been probably one of your most successful sports So i just want to kind of get your your thought press and kind of how you handicap that with the season coming up um, again just because you've been so successful i think it bears merit to see kind of how you navigate that market and kind of how you look at that and then we'll break into football
1: yeah yeah uh college basketball i mean for my longtime followers they'll know that's pretty much how i got how my following became what it is it all started with college hoops and and branched out and kind of grew from there but that is right there at the core of it And I mean, gosh, it's my favorite sport to watch. I'm just a college basketball junkie. And even if I wasn't betting on this stuff, I'd be watching it. You know, so I figured might as well find a way to make my time a little more useful than just twiddling my thumbs and sitting on the couch, drinking beer, watching college hoops. Um, You know, let's figure out a way to actually make some pretty good money while doing it. Uh, For the most part, like I said, with baseball, you know, I have my power ratings and I'll start from there. But in basketball, more so, far more so than baseball, so much of it is matchup dependent as far as, you know, some teams are built around size, you know, and rebounding and they have elite big men, whereas other teams, you know, have really good guards and they like to shoot the three or, you know, if they get to the free throw line, they're whatever, 78% from the line and they're, you know, kind of built like that. So a lot of it is. Gosh, I mean, the power ratings, as always, are going to be crucial. But So much of it in college basketball with 350-plus uh, D1 teams <laughs> yeah. is, is matchup dependent, man. It's just kind of a mesh of styles. You know, will this style work against that kind of team? Is this roster built to handle that kind of team? Um, and also, of course, the situational aspect. It's important to remember these are kids, you know, 18 to 21 years old. These aren't robots. <laughs> you know, these kids are young. For the most part, they're immature, they have emotions, they have highs and lows, they have personal lives, just like everybody else. Um, So, you know, let down spots, uh, hangover spots, whatever, you know, if you have a top five team coming into your building for a night game that's on ESPN or whatever, you have to remember, kids aren't going to approach every single game evenly. For instance, if you're playing for Duke and you're an 18-year-old, you know, McDonald's All-American freshman you're going to be a little more pumped up for a game against North Carolina that's on ESPN than you would if whatever, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff comes to town on a Tuesday night. It, it, it's, it's not apples to apples. It's human and nature. That's, absolutely. And a lot of people I feel like don't account for that in any way. Mm-hmm. They just kind of assume, you know, these guys are robots. And then every single game is going to be the exact same level of, of output and energy. And, and that's just not the case so <laughs> it's so funny
0: know. well it, it's so funny you say this because i i think that what you said that not everyone takes this into account is such uh is such good insight because the the handy when you take into account handicapping and this goes into grown adults and grown men in the national football league i mean no bigger mm-hmm. situation you know bared its head when it came to um carolina playing off that hurricane right and and yep. their families play, uh, being displaced and, and i think uh, they lost that game and it was you have to look at these guys as you know they have families they have um you know the schools yeah. are closed. They have to literally displace their families. Is their attention uh-huh. on the game plan? I think it was against Atlanta or whoever it was. Um, and again, you can even, you know, dumb this down into college football in uh, North Carolina. I mean, I know they're a little bit different situation dealing with suspensions, but off that hurricane, um, when it first happened, you know, there it was, it's a dark thing to do to look to fade teams like that um, right. because it's a little bit, you know, and I've always said the, it's very dark, but to bet on a team, um, you know, betting on tragedy is a very real thing when you look across yeah. sports, you look at uh, the Boston Red Sox after the their, their, uh, marathon bombings, you look at the Houston Astros after Hurricane Harvey, um, you know, right. how many times, and you can break this down even more, and you look at specific players, Isaiah Thomas, um, you know, after his sister passed away, stuff like that is very real, and it's very dark, it, it's, you know, um, you're familiar with the show Billions?
1: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things.
0: It's one of my favorite shows in the world because it, there's such a parallel to gambling. It's basically about um, uh, this guy who's a, a stockbroker or a capital um, guy, and basically one of the he he gained a large portion of his money by shorting airline stock after 9 nine eleven. And there was a, oh wow, there's this, there's this huge kind of people think that he's he's the worst person in the world, but he gained you know, <laughs> billions billions of dollars doing it. Um right, and it, right. and It's one of those things that you know you have to kind of see you know, wh- where your moral compass falls on that. But again, I mean, I know I'm speaking to a much greater thing talking about, you know, travel than, than hurricanes and stuff like that and, and human loss and tragedy. Uh, but these people, this isn't Madden. This isn't NCAA 2K. Um, exactly. And especially when you break this down into kids playing at, you know, not great. Uh, not I don't say not great, but the smaller schools, um, it's a very real thing. So I didn't mean to go off, but I'll let you continue there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, for the most part, it sounds like we're exactly on the same page here. And, and that's something. Uh, you, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, your Astros and, and your other analogies, uh, with, you know, with Carolina and, um, but I, I focus on that even more with the college kids, just, you know, my, my theory there is, you know, they're younger, you know, a lot of these kids, especially nowadays with the way college basketball is a lot of these kids are coming in fresh out of high school. They're playing big minutes. And, and I mean, the you know, These are kids. (laughs) They're young kids. You know, I mean, they could be dealing with anything, you know, problem with their girlfriend or, you know, problem, you know, whatever with with their mom at home or you name it. I mean, there's just so many things going on that, 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 frankly, it'd be naive for you or I to think that we can account for every single one of them. But you at least have to be aware that that is out there and you have to do your best to attempt to try to gauge it. Uh, from game to game for a lot of these teams, because that's an angle. If if you just flat out ignore it, you know, you're you're asking for trouble
0: completely. And it's one of those funny things because you can in today's day and age, right? Every one of these 18 year old kids has an Instagram. And I know mm-hmm. professionals out here that their Instagram reads like a stalker's handbook of just every um, yep. starting player in, in NCAA basketball. And they have all their <laughs> Instagrams and they they follow seven thousand um Division one athletes and, and they're yeah. seeing, you know, where they are, if they're coming to a game against UNLV or Nevada, are they out partying, are they in casinos, all this type of uh-huh. stuff. And again, there's, that's when I talk about the time and effort. I mean, that's what it takes to be successful long-term in this business at yeah. the professional and next level. Um, so it's, it's absolutely crazy, man. Um, but yeah, are you more of a believer in kind of the system and coaching aspect of college basketball or the player aspect, just because there's so much turnover, especially in today's one and done uh, age?
1: Gosh, I mean uh... For the, that's a tough question. I mean, there's always going to be guys out there, uh, you know, like your Tom Izzo's. And I feel like for a coach like that, I'm just using him as an example because for a long time I've had him right, you know, near or at the top of the list. And I feel like he's the kind of guy, he's still getting good talent. He's still getting excellent players at Michigan State. But my point being, he feels like the kind of guy that can maybe be you know, elevate the level of three-star, four-star type players and still find his way, you know, flirting with the final four, the elite eight, just because, you know, he's got such a great system. He's got such a great message. He commands the respect of all his players. And it's been that way for so long. You know, he he's one of the examples where obviously players are of utmost importance, but, um, you know, coaching can be huge. And then, of course, you'll have your other teams where the level of talent is so high it's almost like, just get out of the way, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, just roll the ball out there. You've got, you know, McDonald's all Americans running around everywhere and, you know, their head can hit the rim when they jump and they're just freak athletes. And it's, you know, just don't drive it into a ditch, you know, right, <laughs> Like right. keep it at 10 and two, keep it below 75. And, and you're pretty <laughs> much, you know, you're pretty much going to be just fine. Um, so a lot of teams fall into that. Um, well, not to go too long, but, but where I like to, uh, try to make a lot of my money in college basketball is those kind of middle tier teams, you know, those mid majors where for for the most part, everybody's playing with like two and three stars and things like that. And that's where you kind of get into scheme, you know, and coaching and and stuff like that. So, so the simple answer to your question would be like, in a weird way, I almost feel like the coaching, uh, is more important than those middle tiers. Like I said, those kind of bracket buster kind of teams, those mid majors, I almost feel like it's more important there than with your blue bloods, you know, your dukes, your Kentucky's, your Kansases, where, like I said, for the most part, the talent is so good, you're almost gonna have to go out of your way to mess it up.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And there's certain players that are, you know, the one and done guys you have to account for because they're just gonna do things that other players can't. But for the most part, when you talk about those two, three guys, uh, two, three stars, I mean, that to me is where I take the system, um, you know, the type of of basketball that they play and the coaching. Um and you know, the the names are almost interchangeable as long as the two or three are and again, this gets into the analytics of you can see, you know, if a senior was leaving shooting thirty percent and the freshman coming in that's gonna play, it was shooting twenty-seven percent. But the system is the same, you know. For me, I largely keep that. That grade the same, you know, there's there's certain things that come in again, this goes back into the time and effort of looking at recruiting and all that type of stuff. But, um, are you more in the power ranking, um, you know, power number type of aspect or you kind of go game by game when you talk about college basketball handicapping?
1: Well, I mean, I, of course I never want to stray too far away from my core, which, which are my power numbers. And obviously every, everything else I touched on is a part of my overall approach as far as the situational angles and the coaching schemes and things like that. But at the root of everything, I feel like it's still important to have and to believe and and trust your power numbers and kind of work your way from there as opposed to the other way around. Um, All the other stuff, like I said, is terribly important, but, you know, you don't want to work backwards. You don't want to start, you know, with a game by looking at all the the peripheral kind of things. You kind of want to start right in the core of it. Look at the talent of the roster, stack up the talent of the two teams and then work your way out uh, as opposed to the opposite.
0: All right. Last question we're going to break into football is basically what do you think is the biggest thing you can learn from the other markets, be it basketball, um, baseball, uh, anything that's not football, um, that can be applied to the football, either the NCAA or the NFL market.
1: Gosh, that's a good question. And, and I've had so many conversations like this with, with people who, you know, I greatly respect their opinion and, and, and their insights. I'm almost to the point now where, you know, it's almost like it's impossible. There there's so many opinions and views and stances about how these market work. I'm sorry, how these markets work. And, and so many people, you know, do you believe in reverse line movements? And this percentage of money is on that team. Yet the line moved half a point the other way. Yeah. You know, is that, you know, syndicate money? Is that sharp money? Or, you know, did somebody find out about an injury that nobody else knows about? And, and I don't know. Yourself I mean, out. Yeah, exactly. I've just gotten to the point where it's almost exhausting, you know, <laughs> t- t- trying to analyze this and fit, and, and make, make sense of it. There's just so many possible, you know, reasons that lines can be moving. And, and, and I'll, I'll be totally honest. I, I'm not going to pretend to know why a lot of these lines are moving. And I've just kind of come to a point where I accept that. I just know like there, there is shit going on and there is no possible way that I know everything that is going into these line moves. Yeah, And, and I kind of feel like as soon as I've accepted that, and, you know, and I don't even bother trying to, you know, pour through live lines and half point movements and this and that that simple simplification has kind of made things a little easier for me
0: yeah no I love what you just said um, and again I, I've largely taken a stance that the the power you know the pure power guys are, are having a little bit uh, of a tougher time uh, especially in the NFL these days when they say you know I make this number two but it's at two and a half I like it at three but I can't take the two and a half and again everyone listening to this knows my kind of theory on, on the, the lack of spread um, mattering and that type of stuff and again NBA more than maybe any other sport is probably the most you could blindly take a contrarian angle of 20% or 30% of less of, of tickets. Uh, and I would probably tell you, you're going to hit 53, 54% um, at the end of the year. It's just one of those leagues. Um, you can call it fix, you can call it whatever it is. I'm just here to tell (laughs) you the data, the data shows that over the past five, six years, if you purely bet contrarian, uh, you're going to, you know, end up doing at least decently, uh, not losing your shirt, betting the NBA. That being said, I would caution people to do that only because I'm here to tell you that you know real groups real syndicates uh, the majority of real money is bet off screen. And what I mean by that is local, exactly. local credit accounts. Um, they're botted, They're able to get a lot of money down across 20, 30, 40, 50, sp- uh, local books at once, um, to avoid that steam. and uh, again, I know offshores, you know, locals mirror offshores, right? Locals aren't really setting their lines themselves. They're mirroring right. off a site. And so there's, you know, software that offshore can see that all that type of stuff, whatever the case may be. Um, and the other thing is, is when you're using these companies, sports insights, Don best, I've been such a proponent of sports insights for many, many, Any different reasons outside of just their bet splits. I think their injury stuff that they put out on social media is a one hands down the best in the business. Um, But again, it's, they're only pulling from, you know, I'm not going to get into who they are and stuff like that, but six, seven books that have affiliate deals with them and that's all they can pull from. Um, And largely the largest moves I promise you are made off screen that you do not see. Um, And not to mention the head fakes, all that type of stuff, but
1: it's right. And and those are, those are very good points. Uh, I mean one thing I was going to say which which you beat me to uh, all those live odds and and those percentages I mean first of all you have to ask yourself what is the validity of those can you trust that those are actual legitimate honest numbers and even if you get to the point where you can trust that they are and you think they are as you alluded to that's such a small you know piece of the entire market uh, you know you've got your locals you've got your people running paperheads and just so many people out there making bets that aren't tracked in any way by any of these percentages that you're going to find out there, be it on a you know a Don Best or a Sports Insights. So not that those things can't be useful, but it, it, it's just so tough for me. It's like, man, I'm getting a small piece of the pie. And even the small piece I'm getting, it's like, <laughs> how accurate do I really think that is? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying anybody's doctoring numbers or anything like that. Maybe, maybe it's just the cynic in me. I just don't completely know you know and I, and I'm curious your thoughts on that I mean for the most part would you say that those numbers out there you're you're, you're confident they're all fairly accurate
0: I know the people who run I mean I've had Josh Applebaum on the show Josh has been a friend of mine for a while we're both Boston guys grew up in Boston um I I know for a fact that that those numbers are they're not doctoring numbers nothing like that they are completely as what the data shows them 100% accurate but I will say um again I can't really get into the specifics of what books those are they're only, right. you know, 6 to 7 Offshore books that have affiliate deals with Sports Insights to give them data. So when you're in a world where you're talking about all of Las Vegas, you're talking uh-huh. about the whole offshore world. You're getting six to seven books. That's you know two percent of the market. Exactly. So those yeah. numbers are completely factual and completely correct. It's just you're only getting those in a vacuum of you know two percent of the market says thirty percent of tickets are on this or that. So right. um, again, I think that Sports Insights is a tremendous company. I think that fading the public is a very real thing. To um, you know, it's a tool in a tool belt. It's not the end-all be-all and shouldn't be treated as that um Agreed. it's just it, it's it's a it's a box to check and, and you know maybe make you feel one way or another or stay off a game it, it shouldn't be you know cont- playing contrarian is a very dangerous thing as we saw in the nfl last week right uh contrarian betters got killed the public had one of their there it was the biggest week of public betters basically um it was some of the worst it was some it was the worst nfl week of the year and basically the last two years since the public um basically killed the book the books for all year <laughs> whatever it was two years ago um right you know, with new England, with the Vikings, um, Kansas city. I mean, so the public ones too. So look, betting contrarian and putting yourself on the side of, of Vegas or, or offshore, whatever the case may be is, um, a good long-term strategy, but I'm just, you need to know the whole picture. And I, and I don't think that you get the whole picture with those type of companies. However, it, again, it's a tool and it should be used as that.
1: Agreed. I I'm with you there.
0: All right, man. So let's break into what people are here for. And that's the national football league and the NCAA season. Um, but with that, If you're betting the NFL or the NCAA season, there's only one place to do it, and that's with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network. For new customers, enter promo code SGP100. You get your first deposit matched up to $100, up to $1,000 in free play. Again, they've been the online, spo- online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast. Forever would only give you guys something I've trusted and used. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content, betting stats and trends that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Odd Shark and check them out on the the website, oddshark.com. Lastly, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, and now NFL lines are available on the app. The best part is BetQL is free to download from your Apple or Android device. Head on over to BetQL.cl to download the only app you need to make smarter bets. BetQL is brought to you by the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily daily fantasy optimizer, trusted by over (laughs) $100,000 DFS players. All right, man, so let's let's break into the main event, what people really want to hear, and that's kind of... um, we touched on kind of your philosophy on other sports, but let's break down football and we'll start um, NCAA versus the NFL. Is there anything you take into account in one side that you don't the other? Do you look at it kind of in a vacuum as a whole as football is football or kind of what is it, you know, the biggest differences when you handicap NCAA versus NFL, if any,
1: gosh, I mean, for the most part, it'd be the situational angles and that is sort of similar to college basketball. Like I was talking, I, I tend to emphasize situational type of stuff more in college as opposed to the NFL, because I don't feel like there's too many flat spots, so to speak, in the NFL. I mean, for the most part, even, you know, your gaps between the top three or four teams and the bottom three or four teams are far more thin than most people realize. And the NFL isn't, you know, the kind of league where you can say, oh, you know, we're going to sleepwalk this week and, you know, just kind of roll the ball out there. And we trust that our talent is good enough to win. Because, I mean, we've seen, you know, we saw the Bills go into Minnesota and beat the hell out of the Vikings. Like, you know, things can happen. We saw the Lions um, on that Sunday night game beat the hell out of the Patriots. You know, this is the NFL. If you get caught sleeping, you know, you're probably going to get beat. So for that reason, for the most part, I don't think the situational angles, granted, there's some here and there, but I don't think they're as prevalent in, uh, in the NFL as they are in college. And to me, that would be kind of the biggest difference between the two.
0: Is there anything kind of X, I don't want to say X's and O's wise, but, um, you know, situation like we talked about, it's just, uh, you know, kids are younger, guys are younger when they're (laughs) that 18, 19 level life kind of, you know, they're not at that point in life where they're financially secure. There's just way more outside distractions. Um, however, As we had Eric Olson on um, former uh, Northwestern starting right tackle for four years, he talked about, you know, I I asked him point blank, you know, there's things that gamblers can take into account, right? Letdown spots, travel spots. But how do, you know, players not see that in their own locker room? Like we have to actually, you know, we can't sleepwalk through this. And he, he said something that really stuck out to me, and it was the fact that coaches know that and they harp on it so much by human nature, you kind of want to push back on that and say, you know, it's, um, you know, he was at Northwestern. There was a sandwich spot. I believe they had Michigan, um, in two weeks, but they had some FES school, um, and Uh And he was just like, it's one of those things that somebody can tell you it so many times, but human nature is to think that we don't need to hear that we can beat these guys. You know, we can kind of plan for next week, take a, take a week off. It's just human nature to kind of push back against that narrative. Um, so I think that's very real. I mean, as he said, it is very real, um, in NCAA, NFL is a little bit different because you're talking about guys that are established mostly. I mean, there's obviously um, hungry yes. rookies, but veterans making millions upon millions of dollars. And there's the great ones out there that are still hungry as as their first game. You know, Tom Brady's of the world, Aaron Rodgers, whatever the case may be. Um, but there's a lot of guys that are there to, you know, have a paycheck, play, you know, decently well. Um, and maybe that fire isn't as, as big. Um, you know, college is a lot more hungry, guys. It's a lot more of a messy, sloppier game. Um, Is there anything else you kind of take into account with that type of stuff? You know, NCAA versus NFL, besides just the the situational letdown stuff?
1: Well, I mean, uh, as I said, I mean, I'll emphasize it far more in college, but at the core of it in both sports, just like as we mentioned in baseball and basketball are going to be my power ratings and I'll kind of work my way from there. And, and ideally, I, you know, if I can find a spot where, you know, the situational angles kind of cancel out and I can just push that to the side and get straight into the nuts and bolts and just evaluate the talent level of teams and players on those teams, you know, that, that's what I like when I can get <laughs> to games like that, you know, just, just scrap all the situational stuff. It's all roughly a wash and, and this and that, and then just get, like I said, get straight into the core of it. Um, that's what I like to do, and, and that's when you get into things like trying to predict how a game will go. That's something I, that is useful to me. For instance, if you're a pass-happy team, or I'm sorry, let's say you're a run-happy team and you fall behind by 14, 17 points in the first half, you're not built to play from behind. So not only are you already down you know, 14 to 17 points, but now you're forced to adjust your game script and play a kind of game you don't want to play. You know, you're going to going to be forced to pass more than you'd like. Um, you know, like I said, that that's just far different than your norm. And and a lot of times that's where games can go from bad to really ugly. So, so I do kind of try to look at stuff like that as far as forecasting how I feel the game is going to go. And, and then based on that, um, ultimately, you know, arrive, at least partially arrive at, at a side that I like.
0: Yeah. It's very weird because even the NFL now has, is that like a little bit like there's a stat like Jacksonville has to get out to a lead or or they're cooked. And that's a type of situation where you can, you can utilize live betting. Um, it's, it's a similar (laughs) situation in college as well with, you know, the LSU's, the SEC teams of the world that are even big 10, uh, that run the ball and play good defense. Right. So when you can get teams out of game script, I think that that's where people kind of maybe don't live bet, uh, as much as they should be and looking into that market and that type of stuff. Um,
1: yeah, I yeah. mean, obviously not, not to interrupt you, but I mean, the extreme no, examples would be like, you know, your service academies, yes. you know, your your army, your Navy, your Air Force uh, teams like that. I mean, mm. if they get if they get a lead, I mean, shit, they're built for it. They love it. You know, they can two clock, They can run the ball. They can play exactly the kind of game they want to. But But as I said in my example earlier, if those are the kind of teams that are down 21, three midway through the second or whatever, they're in a lot of trouble. They're in a whole world of hurt. And at that point, it's not just, you know, do I think they can come back? It's like, man, in the second half, they really might get it taken to them. Um, So so things like that, I feel like are important to look at as far as, like I said, forecasting, how you feel the game script will go rather than just looking at the two teams and trying to predict an entire game Uh, start to finish. You kind of got to look at what you expect to happen and, and make sure you don't neglect that aspect.
0: For sure. So let's switch over to the to the NFL and the National Football League and anything specific it's more, I mean, that that stuff was kind of more on the NCAA side. Um, right. Anything specifically that, that you think bears merit um, when it comes to handicapping games, specifically your style, specifically, um, you know, uh, whether it be there's more film involved, more X's and O's. To me, the NFL is all about the talent on the field um, and, and when you can exploit, you know, uh, for example, you know, an Odell Beckham versus a, a corner that's, you know, just a practice whatever the case may be, right? Because at this level, everyone is so talented you just have to find the most disparity whereas college is more game script it's more it's more um scheme right you talked about the options that type of stuff um so to me i again i'm huge into the nfl prop market it's probably been my most lucrative thing um since i started doing this again coming from the dfs side um i really just kind of translated that over and it's it's just a little bit of a, a softer market there's no other way to say it um Absolutely. It's just, again, it's a limiting variance. You're turning 11 on 11 into uh, one versus one, assuming you get that matchup, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Um, anything right. specifically that, that bears merit to speaking to kind of your specific <sighs> NFL side?
1: Yeah, in the NFL, and this is something I'm, I'm still kind of tweaking and working on as we speak, but, but now we're getting more and more into kind of the haves and have-nots as far as what teams and what coaches seem to be on board with a lot of the analytics and math kind of stuff. You know the if you make your way to the other team's side of the field and you're fourth and three, you know on the other team's forty-one and you're punting, it's like ah, uh, you know what, you know, you're, you're behind the times. I feel like that's archaic football. You know, like you're fourth and short on the other team's side of the field. I feel like you know unless you're late in a game protecting a lead or you know situations like that. For the most part, teams need to be going for things like that. So I look at these cutting edge kind of coaches, and Sean McVay is the first one that pops into mind. Yes. I, I mean, this guy is, he's unbelievable. I, I mean, I think he's what, 32, 33 years old. And, and, and I mean, his mind, I almost feel like is working at, at a higher level than just about any coach in the league. Um, and I mean, Belichick is the obvious, you know, well, what about Belichick? Is he at that level? They're very apples to oranges. Belichick's more kind of the old school type and McVeigh, I almost feel like is carrying the flag for this new age, you know, the analytics and the numbers, and he's just smart as shit. I mean, he draws up great plays as far as creating matchups he wants. Um, I-, I was listening to an interview the other day and they said there have been a few plays this year, you know, where Goff or one of the offensive linemen will kind of raise his fist in the air like in victory before a play is even fully done happening <laughs> because they're so confident in what McVay has drawn up. They just know like, hey, this is going to the house. You know, so the ball will be in like midair or golf won't even be totally out of his drop yet. And you'll have, you know, the left tackle raising his arm like that's six, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what like a difference
0: just, McVay to Jeff Fisher makes. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're Jeff Fishers and you're Jason Garrett's and you just have guys that can't coach themselves out of a wet paper bag. And, and, and you know, then you've got guys like McVay um, Nagy a little since, bit. Yeah. Nagy. Yeah. Nagy is there. Um, on the other side, you got guys like Bill O'Brien who are horrible. Uh, you, you know, so you look at things like that, and that's something I'm still struggling with now. But we're getting to a day and age, like you said, all for the most part. Uh, you know, we mentioned the the difference between the top and bottom teams is thinner than it's ever been. There's so much talent throughout the league. These are all elite athletes. These are all elite players. You're splitting hairs when you're talking about a lot of these teams, and that's where I feel like the coaching and you know the haves and have-nots as far as who was smart and who was actually using math and numbers and doing this shit correctly, I feel like stuff like that really matters, and um, obviously the Rams have a great roster, but – it's not solely because of that roster that they're seven and oh, I mean what McVeigh is doing out there is, is just incredible.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love that answer, man, because I think that again, talking about the new guard and the old guard, right. When I talked about handicapping, I think that there's a little bit of that, you know, throughout uh, sports right now, specifically the NFL, especially the NFL and and Belichick, as you made that comparison, more of a a college style, right? The summer's always greater than the parts. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, I mean, um, Look at the Dallas Mavericks hiring, you know, a notorious professional gambler yeah. uh, to, yeah. to do their analytics. I mean, this is, especially with, you know... Um, not to kind of make this far off comparison in an analogy, but I think that, you know, with legalization of gambling, you know, the analytics guys that apply this craft to gambling, I think are really, be you know, becoming sought after as weird as that sounds, right? If you can predict these outcomes, um, and again, just to use it as, you know, the micro of guys that would bet, you know, to, um, bet on these games. Um, it, it's crazy that, uh, you know, they're being sought after by professional franchises to do analytics for them. And, and I think that, you know, you're seeing it a little bit with Gruden, you're seeing it, you've seen it, you know, time and time again, when Shanahan came back, when all these coaches come back, the game is passing by and the game is ever evolving, much like handicapping yep. is ever evolving. And so that's what I was kind of touching on when I was talking about, you know, kind of the old school power number guys that just do, you know, film and power rankings. I, I think again, you know, coupled with the fact that the spread is mattering less and less, maybe because a little bit of a less parody or whatever the case may be there. Um, it's just a little bit, you know, the game is evolving and you have to, you know, I wrote about this at length before, a failure to adapt will absolutely kill you in the NFL and professionals especially so ego-driven are, are you know, such, they want to always bet what got them to the dance, you always take double-digit underdogs, you oh, you never see three, right. zero. you know, they'll bet the, the Titans three times uh, to lose to be, the, be on them the fourth, go one four and four and beat their chest saying that they were the smartest guys <laughs> in the room, you know, and so right. to me, it's just you know, I'm in this to make money more than, you know uh, ego and stuff like that, but it, it's very very different um but let's get into the week man um i think that's that's so many great talking points and and jumping off points to kind of philosophically what the nfl is and and what it could become as well as the people kind of uh driving this you know via social media in vegas and all that type of stuff but um do you have um basically an nfl game that speaks to kind of your handicapping style and kind of you know how you can walk us through how you handicap it you know that highlights your specific style with the nfl you want to go right into the ncaa
1: I, I've got one game for the NFL. I, I'm actually, you know, piecing my NFL card together little by little today, and I'll hopefully have that up later this afternoon. But one game I focused in on um, that I played was the Giants. I got them at pick. Love it. And Tell
0: me why yeah. everyone in the world is wrong and that everyone's taking Washington. <laughs> I love that you picked this game. Talk me yeah, through.
1: I, I, I like the Giants, and, and they're one of those teams. Like, this isn't, you know, this a spot where I try to convince everybody the Giants are some big, bad team, and they're good because they're not. They suck. But they're not as bad as the one and six record indicates. If you look through a lot of their metrics, a lot of their important metrics, they're closer toward the middle of the pack than you would expect from a team that's one and six. For the most part, you know, a team with a record like that, you're expecting to go through all the key numbers and see them in the bottom three, bottom four in the league. And that isn't really the case with the Giants, at least yet. And And, and I don't see that yet. I feel like you know, more realistically, don't get me wrong, they're an under 500 team, but, but you know, I don't see them... The easiest way to put it was I don't see them as bad as their record would lead you to believe they are right now. They still have an elite running back with Barkley, an elite... Do you still like uh, it if
0: Luletta plays over Eli?
1: I mean, that, that doesn't make a ton of difference to me at this point, honestly. I mean, Eli, he's had his time in the sun. He's had a great career, but I feel like even now there's not a huge difference between him and the backup as far as what that's going to do to my number. Um, At the end of the day, the weapons are there. I mean, Evan Ingram is a plus tight end. Beckham and Barkley are two of the best skill position players in the league. I mean, I feel like for the most part, that should be a pretty cozy job playing quarterback for the giants. I mean, he's got plenty of weapons at his disposal. Sterling Shepard is, I feel an above average receiver. And we already touched on the elite level players. Um, and, And on the other end, the Redskins, I feel like, You know, I'll, I'll admit I like their defense, but their offense is just not really doing anything that scares me at all. Um, and at four and two, I think they're kind of the other side of the coin. I don't think they're as good as their record indicates. I think they're more realistically, you know, right around 500 team, a seven and nine, eight and eight kind of team that is playing a little bit over their head right now. And, you know, a road division game where it looks like on paper, oh yeah, the four and two team, they should go right in here and take care of business and this and that. I don't really see it that way. I think this is a tougher game than a lot of people realize. And, and I'm fully expecting the giants to pull out a win. I love it,
0: man. That's, that's one of the bigger split, uh, games available 80% of the tickets on, um, Washington right now, public thing. That's a little bit too good to be true. So love that yep. you picked that game. <clears throat> let's go, let's do this. Let's finish up with two NCAA games that kind of highlight your, um, you know, kind of style that you handicap it, and then we'll get to our consensus best bet, um, for the week on inside Vegas. Actually we're both on both of these. Um, so let's start with the Iowa state game um, and then we'll finish with the consensus best bet that we talked about before.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, Iowa state. I mean, again, they're, you know, I don't want to be redundant, but, but I feel like they're another one of those teams that is uh is better than their record indicates. Um, on the surface, you look at them and you see a three and three team and, you know, they're not ranked. And, and if you're a casual fan, you, you just kind of, you know, go right past them. You know, they don't really pop into your mind in a positive or negative way. there's kind of ho-hum, you know, they're Iowa State and nobody really cares. But if you look deeper, um, I think there's plenty to like with this team. Most recently, um, you know, they they handled West Virginia very easily at home, 30 to 14. Before that, they went into OK State and won a shootout type of game, 48-42, um, their losses have all been against good teams. I mean, they lost to Iowa by 10. That was at Iowa. They lost to Oklahoma by 10, who was obviously another good team. Uh, TCU has been underwhelming, but still a three point loss at TCU is nothing to be ashamed of. And, um, I don't know. They're, they're, they're just a team that I like. They're, they're a hard nose. They're a physical team. They play the game the right way. They play the game hard. Love the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, exactly. He just kind of embodies what they are. They're just going to punch you in the mouth for 60 minutes and they're just going to play their asses off. You never have to worry about a team like that. As far as, you know, are they going to pack it in? There's not a lot of egos. There's not a lot of prima donnas. They're just going to get after it and play as hard as they can. And, um, coming off a bye, you know, they were a little banged up as a team. So now with that, that bye week to kind of, you know, nurse their wounds a little bit and heal up, I, I mean, they're already, like I said, a team that is physical and they want to play tough football. And now with those bodies kind of rested up for that extra week, uh, excuse me, I, I I think they're going to be primed. I think they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, and
0: speaking it from my side, look. I- bringing, you know, as, a, as I try to, you know, bring lessons that uh, other handicappers on the show have, have shown us, right? Eric Olson talked about this when, you know, the, the Big 12 type of schools, and again, I know Iowa State is a Big 12 school, but they play a little bit of Big 10 in them, right? They run the ball, they smash, they play defense. And he talked about, you know, the difference of when he went up against, I believe it was Stanford or another Pac-12 team, um, and just how underwhelmed they were with what that defensive front was and, or, you know, conversely. Uh, offensive line versus defensive line. I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, Texas Tech is built for the big play. They're built to score 70 and let up 60. Um, and, and Iowa State's going to punch them in the mouth a little bit. Iowa State at home, coaching advantage. Um, it just makes a ton of sense. And again, um, a little trend here I'm noticing with you, you like these lines that seem a little bit off, right? I think that most people would look at this and say, Texas Tech, yeah. why, why is Texas Tech getting points? You know, they're, they're the high power team. Iowa State can kind of be up and down. They kind of lay these weird egg spots. Um, and again, yep. it's another line that's a little bit of, of the favorable public, which, which never hurts. So absolutely love that as, as, um, one of our consensus bets. So let's move over to the the feature of the show. They are consensus best bet. Um, number two for NCAA this week.
1: Yeah. The, the other one, and and we briefly, uh, chatted about this before we came on the air and and we seem to be in pretty clear agreement. Uh, I think Fresno state is going to blow the doors off of Hawaii, um, in the late night, kind of, if you will, degenerate game, um, you know, so if it's Saturday night and you really want to scratch that itch and make a play, um, that otherwise you might not have made, I, I really feel like we've got two teams that are drastically going in opposite directions. Uh, Hawaii got a lot of attention in the early season. Cause I had those two, uh, big wins as double digit dogs, plus um, 700
0: and plus, I think 1100 money lines. outright. Hey,
1: exactly. And, and not only the two wins, but they were both. I think in windows where they were the only game going at the time. So they had a lot of eyeballs on them, a lot of attention. You know, they had one of those late starts um, in Hawaii where it's the only game going. And then I think they had the week zero game where it was the first game of the season. So those two monster underdog wins, you know, a lot of people were watching. A lot of people were noticing. and, And frankly, a lot of people thought Hawaii was better than they really are. Um, since then they had a couple narrow escapes, like they won a game, I think in five overtimes against San Jose state yeah, that they, they had so many chances to lose. They probably should have lost. And then the week after that, they played their backup quarterback and kind of, they had a broken play that turned into a touchdown with about a minute left. That's a game they probably shouldn't have won. And then of course the most recent two, and, and I faded them in those two weeks, um, BYU and Nevada just, just blew the doors off them. And uh, and this week I kind of think it's going to be the third straight week that uh, that Hawaii really gets beat up.
0: Love that, man. Yeah, I was all over Nevada last week as well. It's such a good spot, and when we speak to this. Look, there's no doubt that uh, the market probably undervalued uh, them in the beginning. I think they were a little bit better than what the market <coughs> thought. However, when you look right. at this, right? I mean. Navy has underwhelmed this year like crazy, right? They, they've kind of given Mm -hmm. up to backdoor, um, you know, myself being on Navy the last two weeks, catching a big number, um, I believe it was Houston and, um, uh, it was the last, whatever it was last two weeks Be- being on Navy, I'm telling you that they're finding ways to lose games, um, and right. so uh, you know, uh, that defense allowing 59 against Navy and they beat Rice, you know, at the end of the day, who is Rice? And I think that army uh-huh. clearly the better version of Navy was kind of what people thought would happen there at 28, 21. Uh, and then right. I think that the market kind of overcorrected a little bit and thinking Hawaii was, you know, really bad. Um, And I think they're somewhere in the middle. They're not as bad – or they're not as good as they were in the beginning. They're not as bad as they were in the middle. But I think this number is finally right, and I think it's a little bit – I just think that Fresno is, is the much better team. When you look at Fresno again, people probably haven't watched a ton of Fresno state football right. and, and I don't blame them, but, um, right in the mountain West first six and one, they are the class of the mountain West. I know that may not be saying much right now, but I mean, absolutely. This defense is for real. And again, I know that the, the, the opponent hasn't been great, but they're, they're not allowing points on defense. I mean, you're talking about 13 points allowed right. in the last three games and go ahead. You can,
1: you and, no, I was going to say, I'm glad you're making that point because I didn't want to make this seem like it was solely, a fade of Hawaii and whoever the hell the other team was, I'm just in full on fade Hawaii mode. You made very good points about Fresno. That's a good team. But like you said, because they're Fresno state, you know, and they play late games when most of the country has gone to bed or whatever, not a lot of people notice. And and that's just kind of the nature of the beast playing in the mountain West. Um, Fresno is a damn good team, especially defensively that they can really play. Um, you know, and, and Cole McDonald with Hawaii has all his video game numbers and this and that, I think so he's did Cole find, Brennan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think he's going to find the sledding very tough. I mean, you mentioned they've given up one total touchdown and 13 total points in the last three weeks. I mean, this is a defense that flies around. They have playmakers, you know, they cause turnovers. They get to the quarterback. I mean, this is just a good, good defense, but because they're Fresno state, not that many people notice it. Um, I feel like this line, it, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, when you're laying over three touchdowns, that's a serious number, but I almost feel like that's odds kind of way of trying to bully you off of the game, you know, trying to scare I'm you into maybe favorite. taking the other side or at least scare you to stay on the sidelines. Um, you know, intimidating you with like, Hey, you know, 24 and a half points, you know, you don't want to lay that. Yep. <laughs> And I really I feel like this is the kind of game they might win by forty.
0: Yeah, no, completely agree. This this defense is legit. And again, as I touched on, Fresno maybe not playing the the class of the NCAA, but that's not to say Hawaii is this is the class, right? <laughs> it's Hawaii, right? Um, exactly. Hawaii is you know another opponent that the the questions against Fresno not playing anyone will, will still be there after Hawaii. Um, but I look for them right. to, to outperform the market here, man. But um, no, man, we did it, and, and again, I, I know we we're a little bit long here, but this this conversation was, was too good to cut short, bro. So I cannot thank you enough. Is there? Anything else um they can kind of plug for you, um anything you have going on in the space again, as I touched on in the beginning to follow you on Twitter, um, as well as your website, David Demand2, D-A-V-I-D, D-A-M-A-N-2, both on Twitter uh and online. But anything else? I want to kind of give you the floor for anything and everything to plug, man.
1: Uh, no, man. No, that that's pretty much it. I I I did want to make a point um earlier. I I didn't mean to come off overly tough or, or throwing shade or anything when I was talking about uh you know, Action Network or some of those types (laughs) or anything like that. I mean, kind of running that back in my head. I'm like, man, maybe that came off a little harsh. Um, I agreed with your points about Sports Insight. That is a favorite on my browser. I am on there daily, and I know they have their thing with Action Network. And there's a lot of good guys over there. And they're doing a lot of good stuff. So, I mean, that was just kind of one random tangent, you know. No,
0: just, we were speaking to them more more as, you know, what is the end goal for um, handicappers and kind of if, you know, just right. using them, you know, if they could work at ESPN, they could work at CBS Sports, Sportsline, yeah. or they were just kind of lumped in with that.
1: Nothing, I just didn't nothing want, you know, that to maybe come off out of context, like, oh, you should have heard what he said. But, you know, he was really laying into people and taking shots. <laughs> so. Before anything like that happens, just you know, like I said, good people over there and certainly nothing uh nothing bad, man. But aside from that, man, like you said, the hour was good. We covered a lot. I feel like the listeners should be able to enjoy that and uh, hopefully put a little extra money in their pockets this weekend based on some of our uh some of our plays.
0: Absolutely. Um again, no it's a late game, but hopefully that will get you guys to the window. And again, man, can't thank you enough for, for coming on and taking the time um for the better part of an hour, man. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming
1: on, bro. Happy to do it, man. <laughs>